I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 114. It is a very rare day because Roberta's Pizza is closed. And no one knew, I don't think, because standing out on the street are all these people who are pulling on the door, and there's a big sign that says, sorry, cleaning up after our staff party that we had last night. (laughs) And knowing the staff at Roberta's, it does not surprise me that they need to set aside a day to clean up. Send everybody home, and then get everybody back in to clean. But there's no one in there cleaning right now. And it's very weird, because there's usually all of these people here looking and creating ambient noise for us, but we will survive without them. First order of business is I have brought in for Jack, engineer and executive producer of Heritage Radio Network. Hello. Hello. How are you? Sorry, I had to unplug the mic there. I'm good. I want to first say congratulations on your Indian meal and your non project. How'd it turn out? Wow, it was great. I'll, I'll say the Indian, the non was more like a crispy roti or something. I don't know. It, it didn't really puff up. But right. uh, the fact that we made it was cool. The paneer was amazing, made paneer from scratch. I was texting Emily during the snowstorm, everybody, for, for help in some of these <laughs> activities. It was awesome. I felt like I was like your coach on the sidelines. You were definitely coaching coaching me through the whole experience. Um, but it was a great feeling to sit down to the meal where like the raita, the naan, the rice, everything was from scratch. It felt really good. Awesome. And one of the questions that you asked, which I think is a good listener question, is I don't have any cheesecloth. Can I use a coffee filter instead? So you were making your own paneer, which requires bringing whole milk to a boil, adding vinegar, allowing the curds and whey to separate. Was vinegar the acid that you used? Yes, it was lemon, actually. Lemon juice. Okay, so allowing the curds and whey to separate and then straining the curds, leaving you with cheese in whatever it is that you were straining. And the answer that I gave Jack was you can't really use coffee filters because the paper is so fine that the proteins in the whey don't actually, uh, can't actually pass through the coffee filter. And when I was younger as a, I don't know that I'd gone to culinary school yet. I tried to strain sandy clam juice through a coffee filter. And after like an hour, I was like, I don't think it's going to go through. And the answer is that it will not go through. So I advised Jack to pick a clean old t-shirt that he was willing to sacrifice to the cause and cut the back out of it and use that instead, which is actually what cheesecloth is based on. So cheesecloth is like a synthetic version of the cloth that's actually used to strain cheese from back from olden times. Um, So I'm thrilled to hear that that worked. And Jack, the other project that I've been meditating on for you is trying to find solutions for you for breakfast. Yes. I'm, I'm, this is, you catch me at a great time because as Roberta's was closed, I have no breakfast. (laughs) So you have not eaten yet today. No. What have you consumed? Nothing. No coffee? No. Nothing. And what time have you been... How are you standing up? I, I, I don't know. I had, I had a glass of water at home. Okay. What time did you wake up? Uh, 8.45. Oh, Jack. 
Okay. Yeah. I want to come over and like organize your kitchen. I'm being honest here. No, right? no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay, so I have given you what we call at home. Uh, you put on your thickest Long Island accent, which I know you oh have. Boy, I've got it somewhere. And these are called the energy balls. Energy balls. Yeah. Yep. So I have texted. I've emailed the recipe, uh, like so that people can look at it to Allison with a photograph. But I want you to take a bite. Okay, I'm looking at like a little. Well, this is an energy ball. Yeah, here it is. I'm gonna try it out. Mmm. It's good. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, if he was like, oh, I hate coconut, I'd be in big trouble. No, it's like a macaroon. It's great. Yep. Okay, so these, I make these at least twice a month. They last forever in the refrigerator. Nothing in them is highly perishable. And it's essentially chia seeds, which are a huge source of protein, and they also set up in water like a gel, and so it helps hold the stuff together. And then into your food processor, which I know you now have, you put some pitted dates, some cocoa powder, some uh, coconut oil, which is a solid at room temperature, which will also help it hold, hold its shape. And then you can put whatever mix-ins you want in there. So pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, dried currants, dried cranberries, and then you just pulse it all together until it becomes a solid. You can either roll it in the balls between your hands or you can kind of pat it out. Like the ones I gave you were patted out into a rectangle and then just cut them into 25 squares. They're sweet, so they're easy to get down in the morning because sometimes, especially if you're not a morning person, the idea of eating is off-putting. So they're like sweet and chocolatey and delicious, but they're packed with protein uh, and everything that you need to remain upright. I feel great. <laughs> and give it about a half an hour. And also, I will say, as a disclaimer, I put a disclaimer in the head notes for the recipe that's going to be on heritageradionetwork.org. Just eat two and see how it feels after like a half an hour. Because I've made the mistake of like popping like five of them and then it expands in your stomach and it's awful. Heard that. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I also have joining me in the studio two very special guests from right around the corner in Bushwick, Brooklyn, Adam Leonti, who is the chef at the Williamsburg Hotel, and Jeff Kozlowski. Who you got is, it. All right. Who is his sous chef. And you guys are here to talk about your pop-up Brooklyn Bread Lab. Yes, indeed. I'm so excited to have you here. Very excited to be here. I'm mostly excited because I asked the person who I guess is your PR contact if you would bring me some sourdough starter, and you totally came through. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too hard to bring it down. It's about maybe 100 yards. Are people proprietary <laughs> about their sourdough starter, though? I just assumed that the answer was no. <laughs> and I was like, he can always say no. No, no, no. Here's the thing is that uh, after being in this bread lab for the last two months, I've noticed that people have these kinships towards yeast, and I just don't get it. I just, you know, for me, it's kind of like a part of the job. It's kind of like a tool. So you're more than welcome to use it okay. whenever you like. <laughs> so uh, the listeners, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I've had several different bread uh, starts and stops. I had Stephen Yaffa, who wrote a great book called Grain of Truth, who kind of took apart the gluten argument and makes sort of makes the argument that uh, gluten is not the problem in everyone's dietary, self-diagnosed, mostly dietary restrictions. And he was great. And then uh, I had the author of the book Sourdough on, and she was awesome. And she, she was like, well, don't keep the sourdough on your counter. Don't keep the starter on your counter. Keep it in the refrigerator. And that was like this major light bulb because Stephen Yaffa's book, he has to keep you, keep your starter on the counter and you end up throwing away half of it if you're not actively ready to bake at any given moment. Right. 
So I'm going to keep this in the refrigerator. Okay. And how often do I have to feed it? Every week. Once a week. Yeah. And so that won't give you successful bread, though. That'll just keep the starter alive. Okay, I'm, so I have that's my kind yellow of a legal pitfall pad that I think I see <laughs> happening already. Okay, that'll just keep it alive, so you don't have to um, worry about it dying. Okay, um, so that way it'll, it can rise. And um, how much am rise. I going to give it? Um, well, that's man, this is a tough question. So you, you, <laughs> it depends on what you want. Do you want to so, make bread? You just want to keep it alive. Like you want to decide bread. when you want to make bread, and okay. then I can tell you how much to to feed it. I well, I am. A mom of a toddler, and okay. so I will aim to make a loaf of bread that's consumable by three of us, one of which is three, mm-hmm. in a week. So let's say on like Sunday, I will make... you bake once a week, is what you're saying? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, the amount that I gave you, um, for those listening, is about two cups of uh, sourdough starter, which is a concoction of equal parts flour and water. Just, you know, that's by weight, not by volume. Um, if you are going to have a sourdough starter, I do suggest having a gram scale. I have that one will of those. Make your life easy, and they've become very accessible and inexpensive. So, good, you've got that. Um, and you've got about two cups, which ends up being maybe um, 300 grams altogether. And that's okay. both water and flour. You'll want to pull it out of the refrigerator, um, I would say, a day before. You want to let it come up to room temp, and you're going to have to smell it. This is where the stuff kind of gets a little bit complicated because you can't just do what, you know, it's not input-output. You know, it takes another sense. You want to smell it, and if it smells um, sort of fresh and fruity, then, you know, you're probably ready to feed it. But otherwise, you might need to let it sit out for like four hours at room temp. It has to like achieve room temp. And then sit for four hours. Then I can kind of show you the activity of what's going on. And then you can feed it. In which case, you'll feed the same amount that you have in there. So if you have, uh, say, two cups of the liquid and everything, you want to add a cup of flour and a cup of water. But water is, you know, almost the same weight-wise in there, but use that, that gram scale. That was just to give you an idea of volume. Okay. So they're probably another, like, 150 grams of each. Feed it. So I'm literally putting a cup onto my gram scale, zeroing it out, and measuring 150 grams of water. Exactly. Okay, which is very different from how most people think about measuring liquids. Right. Okay. So you want to do that. You want to add that to your starter. You want to mix it with a spoon um, and make sure there's no lumps. You want every little corner to kind of mix together. But you don't want to use a whisk, um, which... Don't even worry about why. You just don't, just don't do it. <laughs> right tool okay? for the job is another big thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just use a spoon, mix it, um, and then let that sit uh, for a day before you're going to make bread. Okay. So if I'm going to bake on Sunday, I would take it out of the refrigerator Saturday. or Friday night and let mm-hmm. it sit on the counter overnight. After you've fed it. So you'll okay. need to like pull it out, let it come up. Let it warm. Okay. Yeah, see how active it is. Because if it's not active and it's really just kind of sitting there, then you'll want to let it become active. You'll want to like let it like kind of move because it all depends on when you put it in the fridge. 
how do you just fed it? Like, when did it go into the fridge? You know, it's it's like a wave. You have to catch a wave to, like, surf to make this bread. And that's why it's not easy. So you want to smell it. You want to see if it's got a little bit of bubble activity. And then feed it. I suggest not throwing any of it out because then you have the chance to see how much is alive in there. You won't, like, smother it. Um, so when you feed it, then you want to wait four hours and see where it's at. And then take a spoon of it and drop it into a glass of water. Okay. And if it floats, it'll make bread float. If it doesn't, Uh, it will not work. So just wait. It'll work, but you'll be sitting there for three days, and then you'll get, like, some sort of alcoholic effect. You know, like, this is not very good. Okay. you want to see if it can rise and float. If it can't float, then you will dump out half and then feed again what you fed the first time. And there's nothing I can do with that what I'm taking off when you say dump off half. Well, you could you could bake it in a gr- on a griddle. It would Okay. It's not going to taste very good, but you could do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not I mean it's edible for sure. I mean I don't, I mean it's okay. Okay. But yeah, you're going to have to let it go unfortunately. All right. And um yeah, and then you'll you want to feed it and then wait another 4 hours and see. Really 4 4 hours is kind of your where you want to be at. Yeah, you want it to be able to float in about four hours. Then you know you're you're good to go to okay. get some bread to move. So once I'm there, mm-hmm. I measure off a, an amount of this that I'm going to have a I'm going to have a bread recipe that I'm going to use, yep. and it's going to call for this starter by weight. Exactly. Okay. So I'm the, glad I, I'm getting the very strong feeling that the problem is not me. It's not you. So I, I mean, we can go. We could talk about starters for like a few months if you wanted. Okay. I, you know, I've got a lot of free time. Okay. But the thing is, is I don't suggest home cooks using sourdough starters. I just don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the classes I teach, I always tell people. Not to do it because you get a lot of frustration. You get years of frustration. Yeah, I'm going on years, and I'm really. And, but I feel like I'm down this road. I need at least one successful. Yeah, yeah, one successful run. Yeah, and so, then I feel, and I feel like if I got into the rhythm of it, it would be easier to do. Well, too. if you start feeding it every day, then it's much easier. Different then you'll story, have yeah. great success. It's just the um, slowing it down is hard. But if I'm feeding it every day, it's like a commercial setting where I'm also baking every day. Right. Right. Theoretically. Otherwise, I'm going to end up with hundreds of pounds of sourdough starter. Yes, exactly. What normally we say in the class is like, use yeast, perfect a bread with commercial yeast first uh, to eliminate variables, and then start experimenting with sourdough starter to you know, just decrease the variables in the bread making process first. Okay. I just made what was a fairly successful raisin bread over the weekend. Although it was cranberry bread because it was the day of the blizzard. And I was certain that what was in the jar were were raisins, but it turned out they were cranberries. And I'll tell you what, I am onto something. It was delicious. Sounds great. It was really, really good. Okay. So enough about me and my bread therapy. We need to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk all about uh, how you came to have the Brooklyn Bread Lab and what that's meant for you professionally.
Hey, what's up? This is Jack Hensley, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio, and I want to talk to you about Brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right. Sonic aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non-chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. This stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled, American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, with Chef Adam Leonti and sous chef Jeff Kozlowski, who have opened the Brooklyn Bread Lab in Bushwick around the corner. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks. So you, Adam, were a chef in Philly, and you were working on a book about homemade, handmade pasta. Yes. And tell me about how that sort of inspired you to pursue research of milling your own wheat. Well, I was, uh, like you said, uh, contributing to this book that was being made, and it was called, it is called Mastering Pasta, and it's by Mark Fetry. And the idea was to get people at home to be able to make pasta that wasn't homemade pasta, but like real restaurant stuff, like the real good stuff, you know, because I think you can have a lot more success with pasta making than sourdough making. (laughs) And reason being is that pasta was always made at home. And uh, one of the things that I've, it was, so was bread too, but one of the things I found out was um, through reading another book by Paul Bertoli, he said that like, you know, he milled wheat to make pasta. And I was thinking about it like, man, I bet you people weren't necessarily milling wheat in their house, but I bet you they were going to a mill just to pick up some flour to make some pasta. And it was probably just milled fresh because if it sat around, it would go rancid because they couldn't separate it, you know, back some time ago. So all that germ and, and uh, bran was, was more than less in there. And started making pasta and tasting. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And showing uh, Mark about it and, and we're tasting it. And he got invited to the seed conference that led us to Washington State University and started going there because they have the, the real the real bread lab. The bread lab is, was, is there in Mount Vernon. And they have 40,000 grains at their disposal that are from all over. And they really concentrate on wheat and, and bread. And uh, what we were able to contribute in talking to them was how to use this stuff for pasta because they didn't have a whole lot of information on that. But they knew everything about bread. And that turned me on to the whole thing, and then I just couldn't go back. And I've maybe mentioned before, just talking to people I know, like, I'm not a particularly healthy person. Like, <laughs> so I probably drink a little more than I should and, and whatnot. But the taste, 
you just can't you can't change the taste it's like when you finally have that like grass-fed piece of beef or if you're a dry aged or you have that vegetable that was like really looked after it may have been the ugly one but it's the tastiest one you know you just you can't go back right so right. that's how it started and then uh um, through the owners of the Williamsburg Hotel, they had a space while we're under construction still to get the restaurant open. Um, they said, would, we, would it be useful to use it? And what could you do with it? And I said, we could open the bread lab and then explained what that was. And they thought, this is great. And uh, the owners are actually really into their own health as people should be and they have children their children's health and they're like this is totally rel- relevant to them personally so it's a, it's been working out um quite well and we've always been under the uh idea that we would be popped up and then eventually in the night sneak into the hotel when i was looking and and continue the work there and it just seems that you know people are appreciating what we're doing and and perhaps we'll we'll stay here in bushwick who knows so you're open to the public Wednesday through Sunday, and people can come in and purchase what you've made. Do you have a regular menu, or is it stuff that you're experimenting on, and it may change week to week? We have it changing daily, and we try to keep some of the stuff that we really like for a couple of days, but we just keep getting interested in other things. So we just keep making you know, different stuff. Um, whether it's planned or not. Um, but we have at least been trying to stick to themes. So last week was laminated dough, which if you know what that is, that's when you kind of fold in lots of fat into uh, <laughs> into pastries. And what would be better than fresh wheat and fresh fat? <laughs> so nothing, in my opinion. Um, so we're making uh, croissants and puff pastry in Danish. And then we we have been consistent to holding um, our bread, making bread from the grain that we're showcasing every week. So that way, if someone does walk in, probably like a person like my mom, who would look at it and be like, what is this place? <laughs> it would be much easier for her and many other people, including myself, to understand when you have the bread. And then you can figure out the rest. So the bread's there. That's the most consistent thing. And behind the scenes, you are experimenting with how this grain like behaves and are you coming up with new recipes oh yeah we come across uh different grains so far it hasn't been like forty thousand. but you know we're on like and when you say forty thousand, is that like forty thousand strains varieties of yeah i don't know if they actually have all of them there, but they have so many there but that's how many exist in but we're not knowledge. talking like rice and sorghum and all this other stuff no it's all, just wheat. The wheat. It's this all wheat, wheat. Okay. oh this is all wheat okay yeah so when you're in the testing phase, I imagine there's a lot of failure. Oh, yeah. Big time. So talk about the nature of like creativity and failure and like scratching your head. I think um, what Jeff and I said to each other um, when we first started is that we are going to show our most vulnerable side every single day, and we're going to have yeah. to be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that being said, we're not selling... Um, something that's a mistake we do make sure that what we do mess up goes into the trash and we feel bad about it <laughs> and so then give me an example of something that had to go into the trash that you 
embark together. No one embarks on something expecting it to fail. Well, um, each grain kind of has a different strength. This is just, I'm going to go real basic with this. And some are strong, some are not. If you let them ferment too long, they kind of turn to mush. So we've seen pizza doughs go seven days, six days, five, four. And though they're not a disaster because you're pushing the limit anyway, you may put your hand in the bin and it may just be water at that point because it's just like turned to nothing. So there's been lots of pizza dough to make its way right. off to um, Staten Island. <laughs> and there's, um, there's been a lot of uh, – it's all about pushing the limit. And we're in a fortunate – a unique situation where we can – afford to kind of play around with that and so we'll try to see how high we can get a hydration like how much water we can actually get into a dough and and that's always exciting you know like let's see how far we can actually take it without it turning to soup and us being able to not you know bake it at all we did make croissants that really didn't have much yeast in them (laughs) and uh they don't rise funny that <laughs> i don't know if you've ever yeah. so uh I've, I've only made them from scratch once and that was in culinary school yeah and the yeah. takeaway from that was we had to laminate the dough by hand and so everyone mm-hmm. was just banging on yeah. the stainless that's what we were steel. doing yeah i will yeah. never i would i have like trauma from that no, i'll mm-hmm. never forget that it's really satisfying really rewarding but uh when you don't put the yeast in it's huge did you leave it out intentionally to see what would happen? No, no. Uh, it was a mistake, was the amount. Mistake. And yeah. so we sat there watching grass grow. And it's wintertime, yeah. so grass doesn't grow. Right. Croissants, <laughs> yeah, croissants are not really the thing you want to go for long fermentation. You know, it's not. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, but it's what a unique opportunity to be able to play and be able to fail where it's not uh, yeah. like you have oh. a line, you know, you're going to have a line out the door waiting for you, you know. Right. Well, we have the coolest jobs I've ever heard of. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a dream. Yeah. So you offer classes to the public to come in and learn basic skills? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about wheat is that, again, it's so good and I love it, but I don't really know anybody except my friends in the industry that know what it tastes like when it's fresh. They have no idea. So I can't really give them big loaves of bread and walk around because at first they take a lot of time and stuff. And the other thing is I just can't get enough out there and get the people to just taste it all. So if you can make things like pizza and pasta and dessert with it, you can turn a lot more people onto it. So the classes are beginning of, uh, you know, one's bread pasta, pizza. And then we do an advanced class too for, for folks that are more in the industry. But, yeah, they're more beginning style, and they're just to, g- to give you the takeaway to, like, get something fresh from, you know, maybe the, the green market. Go home and make whatever it is that you like. It doesn't have to be a bread, which is the hardest thing to make. It could be something else. And for folks who are not around Bushwick, do you have an online presence, or is it a good destination when the hotel is up and running for people to come and visit and stay and see you that way? Um, we have a good online presence. I mean, come come check it all out. Yeah, just, just come see, come taste, come eat. And where I have one, I we're almost out of time. Where do your grains come from? Are you experimenting with different grains from around the world, around yeah. the region? Yeah, we really like Kansas. We're real stuck on Kansas yeah. in this wheat called Turkey. It's kind of become our pet wheat. Yeah, why? It's just it's, just it's going to be hard to let go. We've been using it, and it's just so nice. <laughs> yeah, Why everything. Do you, well, do you have to let it go? Well, yeah, that's yeah, kind of, kind of the We theme. have to change. You know, we got to go back and forth. We have to try different grains, but this one has been very good to us. It's like really, 
the flavor is amazing, the characteristics, the protein content, it's just really, really Are you nice. working with a particular farmer in Kansas, or is it a cooperative? Yeah. Um, Heartland Mills. Exactly. Yeah. The, it's just a small farm in Kansas. Um, I think they just have, do they just have the turkey right now? Then they have a, a white, softer wheat okay. that uh, we are getting in on Friday. So we'll see how that goes. And that's going to be for cake week. Kind of like right. Shark Week, but cake. for cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's I, next week. <laughs> I could talk about this for hours. I have so many more questions, but we are just about out of time. So I want to thank both of you for coming. Thank I'm you. sorry that there's no bread or pizza for you at Roberta's oh, no today, but you are right around the corner. So no you have access. It is a pleasure. Yeah, big time. Uh, you are, Adam, you are on Twitter at... Adam Leonti and Instagram, right? Yep. And Brooklyn Bread Lab is on Instagram at Brooklyn Bread Lab, and Williamsburg Hotel is at Wberg Hotel. Jeff, are you on social media? Do you want people to know about it? Well, I run that Brooklyn Bread Lab. One oh, you right do. Now. Well, I just I post on that a lot. So, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So we'll uh, I'll, I will tell people to go and check you guys out online, and best of luck with all of your success, and more importantly, your failures. And you. Good luck with your bread. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I will. I will let you know. I and I will say I'm. I have yeast. Okay. This is this is like a personal. Yeah. I have a personal investment in one successful no, loaf. Go for it. Okay. No, it's it's K two. Yeah. It's my K two. It it's yeah. my K two. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack, how are you feeling? Do you feel like you have some energy? My brain's working. That's great. Do, do you feel a significant difference? Um. You can be honest. I'm a little less hangry than I was Good. 45 minutes ago, yes. All right. Give it another half an hour. You'll be right as rain. There we go. And I'm going to, Allison is going to post the uh, recipe for those. I, I think I called them, let's see, what did I say? Chocolate chia breakfast bites. But in mm. our, you can call them energy balls and that's fine. But I decided that was probably a little course for the Heritage Radio Network website. Um, if you have any questions, you can email me directly at chefemily at sharpenhot.com. I'm happy to walk you through where to get things like chia seeds if you need help with that. You can use the hashtag sharpenhot on Instagram and I will send you a cookbook from my collection. So if you make some energy balls and you use the hashtag sharpenhot, I have piles of books that I get from PR people who are pitching their products to come on the heritage radio network nice. and i want to give them away to people you guys included oh yeah spread the word that's the only way that i know that people have found the show hashtag sharp and hot i will email you get your address and i will mail you a book for free just wow, get it out of my really living room nice. <laughs> some of them are like uh, like actually i'm i like hardy boys hardy boys they're <laughs> all food related oh, 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 oh. Well, i did just get a big pile of like comfort like calorie conscious comfort food i got some celebrity chef stuff recently sounds good so it's fun and then i have some like really intense academic boxcar children cook christmas feast <laughs> <laughs> i will have to dig around and see what i can find okay everybody i have a email that i need to get to but we ran out of time so i'm going to talk about that next week and uh feel free to reach out to me at chef emily p on twitter sharpenhot.com heritageradionetwork.org thank you to jack for engineering the show thank you to nice peter for the theme song and until next week everybody keep playing with fire and knives thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Talk about food.